0: Hi, this is Philip Holland, host of Hope for the Day. I'm so excited that you are listening and you have this to look forward to from today's message. Your enemy is not your supervisor. Your enemy is not your wife. Your enemy is not your husband. It's not your neighbor. It's not your son. It's not your daughter. Your enemy is not a Republican. Your enemy is not a Democrat. Your enemy is not a vaccinated person. Your enemy is not an unvaccinated person. Your enemy is the devil, and he is trying to grab a hold of your life and consume it. Our world is not short on difficulties that we are working through. People from every tribe, tongue, and nation are challenged by wars, famines, earthquakes, disease, as well as many personal challenges like family issues, career issues, and health issues. And as a result, people begin to wonder, maybe now more than ever, is this the end? In this sermon series, we will be attempting to answer this question by looking at the four horsemen in Revelation 6. Through this study, we will not only better understand the end times, but also better understand these difficult times we are in. The Hope for the Day broadcast is recorded live at Valley View Christian Church in Denver, Colorado. We would love to have you be with us in person at one of our Sunday services at nine and 1030. Now enjoy today's message. They're destroyed, um, different terrain is destroyed, all sorts of different things happen. In 2002, there was a great fire here in Colorado. Does anybody remember what it was? You can drop a comment if you know. Hayman fire. The Haman fire destroyed 138,000 acres. And it was started, and there is some speculation about exactly what this woman's motive was, but she was a park ranger who was dealing with grief and anger from an estranged husband of hers. And whatever the reason was, she went into that forest. Some have speculated she went there because she wanted to set a fire that would cause, put a, create a situation where she had to stay in the state and then her husband wouldn't be able to see the kids as much. That's been speculated. Or she just went into the, she just went into the forest to set this fire to burn some letters that she had written or had been written to her from her husband. But again, there's quite a bit of speculation as to what the motive was. But what was absolutely certain about her is that there was a lot of turmoil in her heart. She was angry, she was upset, and she was in an area that should not have been getting burnt. And because of that, thousands and thousands of acres were burned up in our state. Now, here's the thing. That's what anger does. And you may not be ready to go out and set fire to any portion of land near you. But I'm going to tell you something. Some of you are at a point, you are so angry and you are so upset and you are about to explode. And when you do, there will not be a a real fire, but there will be a figurative fire that sets forth from your life that is going to be out of control and it's going to set fire to some things in your life that you are going to really wish wouldn't have been burnt down. That is the strategy of the red horse. And some of you right now, you're waiting on decisions, you're waiting on feedback, maybe you're waiting on a job opportunity, you're waiting to hear back and and, and whatever it is that you're gonna hear back from, you're rather anxious about, and right now you're in this tenuous place and you're wondering, how's it gonna go? And if it doesn't go the way you want it, you are going to explode. That's the strategy of the red horse. And the one thing about this fire is, it takes a, that that we know is it took a long time to get everything back to being the way it was, to get it rebuilt. And it may, and certain parts of it, may never get back to the way they were. And the same is true of our lives. That he's going to use that anger, he's going to use that pain in your life, and that red horse is going to gallop through your heart, and it's going to cause damage that you may never be able to rebuild from. And John reiterates what Jesus said in Matthew 24 again in the Olivet Discourse, and this is what Jesus said. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines, earthquakes in various places. And so Jesus is talking about, he's talking about ultimately these ultimate outcomes. But guess where those things start? They start in your heart, they start in my heart, and then they grow from there. The strategy of the red horse is this, to create conflict between individuals, communities, and nations. And it's often found in our anger, in the hurt, in the pain that is there. Let's say it this way, if you look back at the text, this red rider, the rider rider on the red horse is gonna come forth and what's he gonna do? He's going to remove peace, which will increase conflict. We think that God's peace is something that is natural to us. It's not. God's peace is a gift. And when it gets removed, conflict always follows. In Leviticus, there's a direct connection between God's peace being granted and violence being removed from the land. I will grant peace to the land, God says and you will lie down, and no one will make you afraid. I will remove wild beasts from the land, and the sword will not pass through your country. God directly connects his peace with an absence of violence. And we can say, God, that the world needs God's peace. But let's be realistic about it, and let's just be honest about it. The world needs Christians to have God's peace. I've talked to enough of you, I've talked to enough of others outside of our church, and maybe one of the things that is most absent in Christians' lives right now, and maybe even in your life, is God's peace. Thank you for tuning in to Hope for the Day. We are looking to the wrong things to really give us peace. We're looking to legislation to give us peace. We're looking to government officials to give us peace. And I'll wade into this one slowly. We're looking to a vaccine to give us peace. I'm not saying any of that stuff's bad at all. But what I've actually found as I've talked to people is that some of the most angry people are the ones who have gotten the legislation they want, they've gotten the the elected official that they wanted, they've even gotten a vaccine, and they're mad. And there's no peace in their lives. And right now, it seems like it's even getting worse. The problem is is that we're looking for the wrong things to find peace. Those things can be good in your life. I'm not saying that they're not you've got to pursue Jesus. You've got to make him a priority in your life. You've got to take some time to pray. You've got to take these worries and these anxieties, these things that you're struggling with, these headlines that just make you mad, and quit letting the red horse gallop through your life. And instead, pursue Jesus and realize, just like we just said a moment ago, God's got all of this in his hands. He's got a plan. This isn't surprising him. But we're not on the backside of prophecy. We're in the midst of some of this being played out. And until we get to the backside of it, we can look on what has already been fulfilled and say, it's going to be all right. God's got this, He had it long ago. Last time I checked, nobody's burning down our temple, our church. Nobody's burning down our country like they did Israel. Nobody's taking us off into exile like they did them, and yet they were still able to remain faithful because they knew God would be faithful, and we can too. But you have to make Jesus a priority in your life. What are you reading in the morning? I'll take a little bit of time, generally, to read the Denver Post and just sort through the headlines and see what's going on. That's a good way to see what the devil's doing. If you want to see what God's doing though, you need to take a few moments to open up that Bible every morning. And it's there you find out what God has done, what God is doing, and what God will do. And when we have that, guess what? We get God's peace. And you want to change this world? (laughs) You want to change the world? You want the world to be different? You want us to be united? It's not gonna happen around a government official. It's not gonna happen around uh, legislation. It's definitely not gonna happen around a vaccine. We've already figured that out. But what it can happen around is God. But you gotta make him the priority in your life. Now what else is so interesting is you look into the Greek of this passage in Revelation 6 is that there is a word for a large sword because this red rider was given a sword it's a ramphaya, which is a large sword. That was not the word used here. The word that was used here is makara, which is a short sword. It was a sword that was often given to an assassin. It was a sword that someone had who was going to inflict pain in your life that you wouldn't necessarily expect it to come. I'm not saying you trusted them. You just didn't necessarily see it coming. And so I'm going to bring this home to each and every one of our lives. Because for now, we don't have a nuclear war, thank God. For now, we're not in another world war, thank God. But if our homes don't get straight, that's where all of that stuff goes. Because the strategy of the second horse is to create conflict in your life, in our community, and amongst all of our nations. And so we have to get ourselves right, okay? So we don't get triggered into something bigger than we could ever imagine, And so with that, I got two takeaways for you. Truths to remember when conflict arises. Remember to keep your anger in check. That's your pyros. That is what is going to set fire to your life. You may have have heard of these. I want anybody to be honest with me now. Have any of you ever done a rage room? Has anybody ever done one of those? They've got them here in Denver. They're around, okay, okay. All right, let's just be honest, though. The idea of a rage room that you go into and just destroy computers and TVs and other type of thing does kind of sound like a good idea every once in a while. I I mean, let's just be straight. Let's be honest with each other. Like, just going in there and just laying a couple things out and just absolutely obliterating them might actually feel good here and there, but it doesn't resolve anything it's not gonna take away that hurt and that pain and that anger that's there. You think that woman who set fire to all that all that acreage so many years ago felt a lot better afterwards because she did that? No, that'll never happen. Ephesians tells us this instead, in your anger do not sin. He doesn't say here, don't become angry. He just says, hey, you're going to get angry, but don't let that pyros get out of control. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. So it it took me years, really, to figure out the meaning of this and the proper application of this particular verse. I mean, after Laura and I were up for three weeks one time sorting out our, I'm kidding. There you go, there you go, now you're with me. We didn't sleep for three weeks. I'm kidding, that's not possible. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. I know a lot of people who misapply this and they feel like they have to sort out every issue they've got till one or two in the morning. That's not what it tells you. You're not gonna make, I I don't know of any good decision I've made after 10 p.m. at night. It just doesn't happen. But what I do know is when I have, taken a few moments to pray over some anger that I've got. I go to sleep, wake up the next morning, then I'm able to sort out whatever that problem is a whole lot better. If you want to apply this verse to your marriage, don't go pounding down the door of your husband or your wife and beating them into oblivion to try to resolve a problem because you're not. But you do need to pray about the anger. You need to keep it from getting out of control. And then the next morning you wake up and you start to resolve whatever the issue is as you've been able to sleep off and allow God's spirit to purify you of whatever it is that's going on. And do not give the devil a foothold because if you try, if you let your anger get the best of you, the devil's getting his foothold. And if you don't know the imagery here, it's the idea that a door is getting ready to shut, the devil gets his foot in the door so it can't shut, And then from there, he's going to work his way into your life. And so we have to be sure to remember to keep our anger in check. Thank you for tuning in to Hope for the Day. I hope that this message has been an encouragement to you. I know that it has been to others. You see, it is through the generous contributions of people like you that this ministry can thrive and get God's truth out into the world. I recently received a card from someone who said, Thank you for these messages on Hope for the Day. They are encouraging and refreshing as we get the opportunity to hear biblically-centered teaching that continually points people to Christ. And that is just one of several notes that we have received of those who appreciate the teaching here at Hope for the Day. The second truth to remember is this, is when conflict arises, remember who your conflict is really against. Remember who it's really against. Jesus teaches us this in in the Gospels when Peter comes to him and rebukes him for saying that he's going to die, From that time on and this was some previous events that have taken place jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to jerusalem it was right after peter had explained who jesus was so peter's on this really high he said you're the christ the son of the living god from that time on jesus knew it was time to go to jerusalem and to suffer many things at the hands of the elders the chief priests and the teachers of the law And that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Imagine he's rebuking Jesus. Come on now. Never, Lord, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. He knew who the source of the conflict really was between the two of them. He knew who it was. It wasn't Peter. It was Satan. And what that means is Jesus can still have a relationship with Peter because it's not really Peter who's against him seeing God's will played out in his life. He knew it was Satan trying to leverage Peter's ambition, his pride, his insecurities, his fear, his anger, all of that against Jesus. You are a stumbling block to me, Peter. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. And then again in Ephesians, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Your enemy is not your supervisor. Your enemy is not your wife. Your enemy is not your husband. It's not your neighbor. It's not your son. It's not your daughter. Your enemy is not a Republican. Your enemy is not a Democrat. Your enemy is not a vaccinated person. Your enemy is not an unvaccinated person. Your enemy is the devil, and he is trying to grab a hold of your life and consume it. Here is a picture of a German POW camp memorial. At this particular campsite, an incredible thing happened many, many years ago. American soldiers were being held there, and as they were being held in this particular POW camp, they were somehow, some way, able to put together a radio to receive updates on how the Allied forces were doing. As they were receiving these updates, one came in that the German High Command had surrendered. But there was a breakdown in communication and this particular POW camp did not receive that communication. It was a great tragedy. So now for the next three days, these American soldiers were still being taunted, were still being, in some cases, tortured, were being abused. But they knew there had already been a surrender. And as the story goes, there was an immediate change in their disposition. There was immediate change in their attitude. Because now, as the German soldiers would bring those German shepherds into the face of those American soldiers, they didn't respond with fear. Instead, they stood their ground in confidence. And, now the, and then the soldiers were then in, found to be laughing and telling stories and telling jokes and even singing songs. Why? because they knew how the story was gonna end. And they knew it was just gonna be a matter of time before these soldiers at this POW camp heard that their high command had surrendered. And the war was already over. And after three days, the American soldiers woke up to find all of the Germans had had abandoned their posts and now they were free. And so friends, what I'm trying to tell you is right now, many of us, we're we're in this place where the devil is trying to scare us. He wants to taunt us. He wants to cause you to let your anger get the best of you because he wants you to think that this is all there is and that there is still a chance that... That, that God doesn't have a plan and there is still a chance that God isn't going to work it all out but even as we sit on this side of prophecy we know through the scriptures that God has promised to work all things out for the good and we know that on this side of the on this side of the prophecy that he is still given us a prophecy he's still given us a promise that one day one day Jesus is going to return and everything is going to be made right and so we can sing these worship songs because we have hope even in spite of the turmoil we might be going through that, that we can say our prayers even though we might be anxious and worried and distracted that we can still smile in the face of adversity that we can still look at people that might seem like they're against us and know it's going to be okay because who can be against us when God is for us yes you're getting it and when we know that that horse it doesn't have a chance and he doesn't have a chance in any of our lives because there was a day when Jesus died on a cross, and then three days later, He rose from a grave. And here in a moment, we're gonna have a time of communion where we remember the sacrifice that He made for each and every one of us, that this, and that in that, as we have a faith in Him, that we would not give way to the fear and the concern and the shame of our, of our mistakes and our shortcomings, that instead, we can go to God and say, thank you for your Son, Thank you for the hope that I have in Jesus. And thank you, Father, that you have a plan and you're going to work all things out for the good. Let's have a word of prayer and our team is going to continue to lead us in worship. Father, as we sit here on this side in this place of your prophecies to be fulfilled, Lord, help us to be reminded that you have a plan. And we see that so evident and so true at the cross. As your son died and it seemed like all hope was lost, but three days later, he was raised from the grave again. And so it may be as now as we sit, maybe in some of our sin, and some of our shame and our anger, that may be close to getting out of control in our lives, help us to know that we can return to your cross, and it's there that we can experience your grace and your mercy and your compassion. And we give you all of this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Well, unfortunately, we have to bring today's message to a close. But my hope is that the word that was spoken was an encouragement to you. That's always our hope here at Hope for the Day. Did you know that these messages are recorded at Valley View Christian Church every Sunday?